Um, this evening, I want to um, just really bring some thoughts, share some thoughts with you um, that have been situations, I just want to sort of bring the, my week together, really, um, of things that have been challenging me, situations that have kind of come up, different uh, conversations that I've been in, um, small groups, Christianity Explored, I'm going to be thinking about that tonight, um, and conversations that I've had in different small groups. Um, and, but the thing that keeps coming back to me this week that I really feel God has been speaking to me about is being a people of purity, being a people of purity. And the verse that keeps coming back to me is Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity, blessed are the heart, pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I think we would all say, hopefully, that we desire to see God. We desire to see God at work in our lives, in the lives of those around us. We long to see God. Well, there's this promise to us here from God, in God's word, that says those that are pure in heart will see God. Those that are pure in heart will see God. And very often, I think, um, the word pure, or we could say holy, is kind of used in a negative sense in our, in our world today. You know, like, oh, they're holier than thou. They think that they're holier than thou. Um, and they're basically saying that someone is conceited or a bit up themselves, okay? They're looking down on people. And the truth is, um, we, we all know people like that, sadly, don't we? We know people who look at down on others. And that's what Matt was talking about. I can't see Matt now, he's disappeared. Matt sorry, <laughs> was talking about last Sunday morning, about not looking down on people in judgment for their actions or for their behaviors, not casting judgment. That's not our job. Um, but we do know people like that. It's not a good and it's not an attractive characteristic. But we all should be striving to be men and women of holiness, holy men and women. In fact, the Bible says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. That's in 1 Peter. Now we may think that being holy looks like walking around in some kind of angelic angelic state and never doing anything wrong, never making any mistakes. That's not holiness, that's weirdness, okay? You're not walking around like some kind of um, angelic being. Instead, I want us to spell out the word holy like this this evening, okay? Let's think of holy not as H-O-L-Y, but as W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy. Holy committed. Holy committed to Jesus. If we are wholly committed to Jesus, then we'll know holiness. It was Jesus himself, actually, who said that verse at the start, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And today people speak of their hearts as being the center of their emotional being. You know, I'm sure you've all heard people say, my head tells me one thing and my heart tells me another. Okay, you might have heard people say that, or I'm just listening to my heart. I'm following my heart. Okay, following where my heart tells me to go. But we need to be careful of that. We need to be really careful of that because the Bible says in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Wow, 
that's our hearts. Our hearts described there in Jeremiah. And when we talk about our hearts, it's not just the center of our emotions, but actually of our intellectual being as well. Our hearts are the center of ourselves. So to be pure in heart means that we're pure. We're holy to our inner core. The very center of our being is pure. It means being a people of purity. And tonight, I want to have a look at a story. This is where Christianity Explored comes in, because I want to look at the story that we looked at in Christianity Explored. And it comes from the book of Mark in chapter 2. We have this group of friends, okay, and they are desperate for their friend to have an encounter with Jesus. They wanted their friend to encounter Jesus. He was paralyzed. This man was paralyzed, and he needed a touch of healing, physical healing, from Jesus. But when they arrived at where Jesus was, they couldn't get into the house. Jesus was teaching, but they couldn't get in because these crowds had gathered, and uh, they were unable to get into the house. It was packed wall to wall with people, and they couldn't get through. Imagine it was quite a task, carrying this man um, on this bed, trying to get him to see Jesus. You know, last week, we looked at the story of the woman of the issue of blood, and the crowds stood in the way of her encountering Jesus. But she was determined, and it didn't put her off, and it was her determination that led her to fall at the feet of Jesus. Here we have the same thing. Crowds of people unable to get through, the friend's determination. This didn't put them off. The crowds didn't deter them. They decided the best idea would be to lower their friend through the roof instead of trying to get through the crowds to meet with Jesus. Now, at this time um, in Capernaum in the first century, houses would have been looked different to what they did today. They probably would have had flat roofs, maybe some stairs going up the side. So these friends could go up the stairs and they could get up onto the roof. They could go right on top of where Jesus was and they start digging, okay? They start digging in, on the roof, which is quite an amazing thought. You know, we think about what they were doing outside, but if you can imagine the scene inside the house, Okay, imagine us all here now, and just above Matt's head, we have a bit of a scraping noise. Okay, bit of a scraping noise, bit of dirt falls on his head. We'd be like, oh, what's going on here? Need a new roof, okay? Things are, things are getting desperate, okay? And then it starts to open up more and more, and eventually, we're seeing sunlight through the roof. We'd be quite shocked, would be quite surprised what on earth is going on here. Um, and they're right in front of Jesus, where Jesus is. Can you imagine? They probably looked up and probably saw four little faces looking back down at them. They lower their friend on something, a little bit like a bed or a mat or something. They would have lowered um, him down right in front of Jesus. They were desperate for their friend to have this encounter. So they lowered him through the roof. Maybe I'd have crowd surfed him. Do you think that would have been easier to put him on top crowd him? But they lowered him through the roof. So Jesus, seeing the faith of the man's friend, this is what he said. My child, your sins 
are forgiven. My child, your sins are forgiven. And the word used here for forgiven basically means the sending or the driving away of something. Your sins are driven away from you. That's what Jesus says. They're driven away. They are no more. Jesus was saying, you no longer have to be afraid of the penalty of sin. Your past is behind you. You're having a new start. This is your chance of a new start. This man's friend, their friends, they're sitting on the roof, maybe looking at this going on. They brought their friend there for physical healing. They brought him there so that he could walk. Was this what they expected that Jesus would say to the man? Your sins are forgiven. Did they expect him to say this? You know, I think, I think that Jesus knew that the man's sin paralyzed him more than the physical healing that was needed. The man's sin paralyzed him more than the inability to be able to walk. Jesus healed his soul first because that was in a worse condition than what was going on physically in his body. Then Jesus told him, get up, get up, take up your mat, take up your bed and walk, off you go, you're physically healed too, go on, off you go, go out, to the go out of the house. And when you think about this, this man had a choice at this moment, he had a choice, he could have stayed on his sick bed forever. And he could have laid there and remained kind of like a victim of his circumstances forever. He could have said, but Jesus, I can't. Why are you telling me to walk? I can't walk. It's impossible. You know I can't move. Oh, I'm not sure. What if I wobble in front of the crowds and then I fall over and I'll be a bit embarrassed? He had a choice to make. He could have said, just let me think about it. He had a choice about how he was going to respond to what Jesus had said to him. That would you rather be healed physically and spiritually or just remain as you are? Would you rather just remain there on your bed? He had a choice and he decided to respond. And in that split second, I'm no medical expert, but I'm sure some messages went from his brain down into his legs, which hadn't been there for a very long time. And he stood on his feet and he was able to walk. Do you know one of the saddest things today is that there are many people who actually don't want to change, who want to stay where they are. They don't want to leave their old lifestyle or turn away from bad choices that they've made. And actually, they don't take hold of God's promises, of God's provision, of God's power to break some of these things over our lives. And if we want to change, and if we want to break something that has a grip on our life, if we're trapped in something, if we're stuck in a, in a lifestyle or an addiction or something that we can't seem to shake, then Jesus tonight has a word of encouragement to each one of you. He says, get up and walk. Get up and walk. You can do it. Be of good cheer and arise and arise. You can do this. You can do this. I have the power to do this. It is Jesus and Jesus alone who restores 
and purifies. That paralyzed man not only walked out physically healed, but he walked out holy. He walked out pure. And we all too easily miss the word holy and dismiss the word pure. But pure in heart can be translated as single in heart, single focus in life, a single focus. It means that we're a focused person. We're focused on our relationship with God. That's where holiness comes from, when we put God first in everything. All The only desire we have is to please God. Then the most incredible thing that happens when we're living a holy life is that we'll be a happy person. That's the fruit of holiness, is happiness. You know, it's almost like the buy one, get one free. Holiness is brings happiness, brings happiness to our lives. We can think it sounds dull and dreary, but that's when we're truly content and happy, holy, wholly committed. You can be wholly committed to surfing. <laughs> you can be wholly committed to golf or to wholly committed to your schoolwork. You can be wholly committed to making money. We can be wholly committed to so many different things. But if you want to be holy, we need to be wholly committed to God. Wholly committed to God. And we will be happy as a result. Finally, this evening, I think God's challenging us to take inspiration from this group of friends. This group of friends, they recognized three really important things. In this situation, there was urgency. Secondly, they were united. And thirdly, they were unstoppable. They were unstoppable. There was an urgency in this situation. They knew they had to take action. They knew that they had to get their friend before Jesus. They knew they had to get there. They knew that being united and working together, they were stronger. One man couldn't have lifted that friend up onto that roof. They couldn't have dug and lowered him down, but working together, they were stronger. They were united. They knew that working together was important. And they were unstoppable. They brought their friend to that house, and they didn't say, oh, look at the crowds. We'll have to come back another time. Nothing was going to stop them or deter them. They dug through the roof of the house. They were unstoppable in bringing their friends to Jesus. These guys saw that there was no way through and they said, okay, let's go up onto the roof. They had the most amazing attitude. They were unstoppable. Their friend needed help and they knew that Jesus had the answer. The friends thought that their mate, their best mate maybe, was in urgent need of healing, of physical healing. But God knew that the urgency was healing the condition of his heart, was purifying and holiness, sorting out the condition of his heart. And I wonder this evening, how is God looking for holiness in our lives? What is he looking for in our lives so that we will be holy? We have the same choice as the paralyzed man, to leave our condition untreated, undealt with, or allow friends to support us 
and to bring us to Jesus, to allow our friends to bring us to Jesus. So tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different because all of us in here this evening are friends. Can I just say that? We're all friends who are longing for each of us to encounter Jesus. That's what we meet for with early morning prayer. We pray that people would encounter Jesus. We pray as a staff team that people would encounter Jesus. We are longing that people would encounter Jesus. Jesus. 